0: The Amazing Spider Talk. Come swing through the air, sit back and prepare for the Amazing Spider Talk.
1: Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans, collectors, and creators as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. On this week's show, I promised that I'd be giving you all episode three of the second season of our show. But over the past week and a half, I've come down with flu-like symptoms that made recording an episode a bit difficult. Luckily, I was able to record a bonus episode for everyone a few weeks back... ...as a request made by our Patreon subscriber, Scott McElroy. But before we get to that episode, I've got homework for all of our listeners out there... ...and that means you. But don't worry, I think you're really going to like this homework. But what do I know? I'm a school teacher. First up, I wanted to tell you all about our brand new community... ...the amazing Spider Slack. You see, ever since we changed up our format to the show i wanted to find a way to get back in touch with all of our listeners to find out what they thought about Spider-Man comics, video games, movies, their own collections, and our show. So, with a bit of work and beta testing with our Patreon community, I decided to launch the amazing Spider Slack. It's a Slack community that operates very similarly to a message board, but one that you can participate with on our mobile phones and computers. Just by signing in, you can share all your thoughts about the new comic issues photos of a new toy you've bought, or even find a way to trade and buy comics. It's already been a ton of fun to talk with our Patreon community, and now I want to invite you guys to all join in. Just click on the link in this episode's show notes to join. I can't wait to see you all on the amazing Spider Slack and get to know you all better. On a completely separate note, I also wanted to tell you all about a project that I've been facilitating over the past few months with a few of the contributors to SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. You may remember Kane Winstead as one of our guests on the show from several months back, but Kane and I have been talking about launching a new podcast show as part of our podcasting network. We've discussed a lot of ideas, and now the show is ready for you to listen to. So I want to encourage you to all go to iTunes and subscribe to the newest podcast member of the Amazing Spider Talk family called The Untold Talks of Spider-Man. Yes, on The Untold Talks of Spider-Man show... Kane and his co-host Matt will be discussing all the books that Mark and I have never discussed on this show. Books that are incredible deep dives in the Spider-Man library that may have been overlooked after all these years. So basically, just think of it like our Essentials episodes, but with the spotlight attuned towards books that are anything but Essential, and you'll get an idea of what the show is like. So again, go check out the Untold Talks of Spider-Man podcast on iTunes. Listen to the first episode, and get an idea for yourself. I hope you like it, and that you invite Kane and Matt into our podcasting family with a very warm welcome. Speaking of a warm welcome, on today's show, I'm going to be talking to one of my very favorite people on the internet. None other than Chris Baker. Chris has had a varied career weaving in and out of the world of video games, but his one constant is working on Spider-Man games. I just got word that I'll be traveling to E3 this year to cover the new Spider-Man PS4 game, so I thought there would be no better time to bring Chris on to discuss with him the legacy of Spider-Man storytelling in video games over the years. So let's stop dilly-dallying and get right to the conversation. Well, welcome back, listeners. Today, I am joined by my friend... It's weird to say, uh, my friend Chris Baker, who I've talked with a number of times, but never really uh, like this. So Chris, welcome on the show. Why don't you tell our our listeners a little bit more about yourself?
0: Sure. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, We have been internet friends for, what, three years or so now, and now we're actually finally talking with voices, which I find uh, pretty neat.
1: You did did drop my name in a a video conversation recently.
0: Yes, I did. Uh, Mistakenly, but I did. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess I can talk to that in a second. But to to answer your question, uh, yeah, my name's Chris Baker. I've been in the video game industry for about 20 years now, uh, pretty close to it. And uh, a lot of that was actually at Marvel. I was in the Marvel's games division for about seven years, from 2007 to 2014. I've also worked at LucasArts, where I was in PR, and I've also worked at the official U.S. PlayStation magazine, where I was kind of got my start from 2000 to late 2004 as an editor there. Uh, I've also worked at Gazillion, who made the Marvel Heroes game, may it rest in peace. And uh, I'm, I'm currently uh, contracting in the industry. I'm, I've been working with Zen Studios lately. They make some really great uh, pinball FX tables so that's a really quick version of what I've done. I've, I'm also I've, – I've written a, a book about uh, r- video games, uh, retro uh, superhero video games called Wrong Retro Games. You messed up our comic book heroes, which as the stupidly long title suggests, is about how uh, retro video games did not necessarily treat their source material incredibly faithfully. And, and we're, we're going
1: to talk a little bit about that today. OK, great. Yeah, that, that's
0: uh, that's certainly on the agenda here for sure. Uh, and I also run a YouTube channel now called Superhero Video Games, which is about superhero video games, believe it or not. Uh, and I, I don't.
1: I just don't. <laughs> I, I, I flat out refuse to believe it.
0: Yeah, and I, I recently, to speak back to what uh, Dan here just said, uh, I meant to say Dan Gilvason in a video uh, who was the voice of Spider-Man in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. But I said Dan Gavazdan in the video. Which you know, uh, I might be talking to the superior Dan right now. I, I like I've met Gilvazen once. He was a nice guy. He signed uh he signed a thing that I had like a little cell from uh, the amazing Friends era. Uh, but yeah, I've been listening to you probably for longer actually.
1: Wow, that's, three that's years ama- that's pretty amazing.
0: I think I've got more Gavazin in my uh, head than than
1: well, yeah, in a, in a Freudian slip, it was proven true. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because it's not the first time. I've had several people make the same slip up, you know, I guess in the world of Spider-Man and Dan's with weird G last names. I'm, yeah, not, okay. I'm not unique.
0: You're the only Gavazin I've ever talked to, and he's the only Gilbazin I've ever met. So uh, it's, it is quite the coincidence you're both Dan's.
1: I may have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know you you talk on your show all the time about the spider-man games m- some of which you've even worked on mm-hmm. and you know i i'm wanting to have you on the show for such a long time and and uh my laziness has finally subsided and uh and here you are and i said you know i don't want to run through the same conversation you've had a million times regarding these games so i said you know why don't you pick something for us to talk about? And sure. it, it seems like you've kind of gone back to your book in, in a way. Um, why don't you tell the fine listeners at home at what, what we're going to be talking about today?
0: A, a, a little bit. I mean, I think uh, th- this is, in, in a way, it's kind of a history of Spider-Man games. But I didn't want to just come here with a list, like, going through a chronology. Actually, my uh, friends at the Retronauts podcasted podcast did that recently. You guys should listen to that. Uh, but what i've kind of done just because you know this this ps4 game's coming out spider-man marvel's spider-man is what it's officially called
1: i haven't heard about it <laughs> no i'm just kidding everybody is going nuts about yeah. this thing
0: it, it could wind up being the biggest release of the year which is pretty crazy when it comes to spider-man i mean i'm sure like call of duty and stuff will challenge it it always does but uh it, it's really refreshing to see a spider-man game getting this much attention uh, and one of the cool things that they're doing in the game that they talked about is they're creating their own Spider-Man universe, which, uh, you know, says to me that they're putting a lot of thought into, uh, you know, what's going into this game. It, it's almost, you know, I, I don't know that much about it yet. Uh, none of us really do. But it, it feels to me like they're kind of going back to what Bendis and, and Bagley did with Ultimate and and kind of reinterpreting the Spider-Man stuff we all know and love uh, for the 2018 audience.
1: And like you do when you're reinventing the Spider-Man universe, you start with Mr. Negative.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I always kind of wanted to use him in a game, it just never worked out. We we slipped him into uh Edge of Time just mm-hmm. And uh, the Amazing Spider-Man too. He's mentioned. There's like a, a couple mentions. I actually have a video about the very short history of Mr. Negative in video games.
1: I love Mr. Negative. I think he's one of the yeah, you know, like overlooked villains. Although I feel like he's been handled kind of uh, strangely back and forth over the years.
0: Uh, that is true. And and as far as the games concerned, they they've kind of insinuated that he may not actually be the main villain in the game. That he's so far as we're recording this in uh, February 2018 uh all we've really seen is mr negative we've gotten a hint of kingpin a hint of shocker uh and we know osborne is mayor yeah but yeah actually i haven't actually gotten around to telling you what what the structure is here that yeah yeah is that let's do together. that but all that in mind all that kind of universe stuff in mind uh i thought it'd be cool to go back through the history of games and kind of like look at the different approaches to universe that they've taken Just kind of, I guess, to outline what those kind of buckets I've created here. There's direct adaptations, which actually kind of directly adapt something so that you're playing that comic story, you're playing that movie, whatever. There's like uh, comic-flavored games that are kind of like what you'd expect to fit in the 616 universe isn't. It's not canon and never has been regarded as canon, but it could fit there if you really wanted it to. Uh, then there are games that kind of exist in the universe, uh, some of which were actually built to be part of canon, and then also, uh, actually, that's I think that's it. Yeah, those are the, the main categories here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's start with direct adaptations. Is 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 now a good time to start talking about that, Dan?
1: I I don't see a better time to. All right.
0: Yeah. So these are games that kind of attempted to take an actual story whether it was a comic book story we all know and love or was completely random in some cases, or, uh, you know, movies, uh, specifically a certain trilogy that we'll uh, talk about here. Yeah. Uh, But the... Okay, okay. so early on, we had this game called The Return of the Sinister Six, which uh, most people know as a Nintendo game. It also came out, I think, on Game Gear and maybe Sega Master System or something like that. Uh, so that game actually on its back of box, it says based on the actual Marvel comic book series, actually, let me rephrase that based on an actual Marvel comic book series, (laughs) Return of the Sinister Six. Uh, those of you who know your, your Spidey will know that, uh, this was a story called the Return of the Sinister Six. What are the issues? I've got it right here. Oh yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 334 through 339. Yes, the the uh the Amazing Spider-Man 334 through 339 which was kind of the long awaited sequel of uh the Sinister Six coming back together returning if you will.
1: Uh, but but even then not really because you've got a couple yeah. of like weird additions and the in the Hobgoblin. It it always amazed me kind of first diving into Spider-Man lore when I first did um you know, because I started reading shortly after the story, just how long it took to return to the Sinister Six within the pages yeah. of Spider-Man. We kind of accept them as, you know, like a staple of the Spider-Man genre. But really, you know, they were gone for over three hundred issues. It's, it's pretty, I agree. I don't think I don't
0: think I even realized that actually till I wrote my book uh, three years ago, and and I went to this game, and yeah, this is the first time they've been back in like almost thirty years. <laughs> Has it been that long. It's <laughs> twenty something years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so so yeah, the, this was quite the re- the return. So you know, like I said, it was uh, based on an uh, what was the phrasing? Based on an actual Marvel comic book series. You would think, based on the title, "The Return of the Sinister Six, that it's based on the Return of the Sinister Six. But uh, if you recall, if you've read it, the whole kind of mentality doc ock had in that story was like when we did this the first time we all kind of took him on one one by one and that was stupid let's all do it let's just gang up on him that was like a really short version of what his, uh, his plan was it, to it took me
1: it. 30 years but i
0: figured out our <laughs> mistake but uh you know in this game you're doing what you did in uh, amazing spider-man annual number one the annual that, that matters most uh, it, uh, to the, to, it
1: does matter the most. You hear that, Mark? <laughs> You're not here to defend yourself right now.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So basically, it 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 even ends in in a castle, which uh, Doc Doc had a castle at the end of that for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you take them on one by one, level by level. It's a terrible game. You don't need to play it. Look at it on YouTube or something. I I, but, have,
1: I have not played it. Do you do you <laughs> fight Doc Ock in a fishbowl at the end?
0: In a fishbowl, I don't. I don't recall if there's a fishbowl involved, but I know there there is a castle uh, that that's like his his stronghold or whatever. All which right. Yeah. So that that kind of that was the first attempt at like a direct adaptation, which I, I don't think really succeeded in in any way. But a few years later, there was a game uh, that's very important to my Spider-Man fandom called Spider-Man and Venom in Maximum Carnage. Uh, this was a maybe possibly the most faithful direct adaptation of a comic book story ever Uh, because the entire events of the the comic, or or, sorry of the game, were directly guided by what happened in the comic, Uh, whether it was Spider-Man or whether it was Venom, you could actually at times kind of choose which character you wanted to follow and you would go Spider-Man's path or Venom's path, and it's actually a slightly different game Depending on uh, which which way you decide to go, uh, so they actually would take like uh, like panels from the actual Maximum Carnage story and uh, recreate them in the game, and it had a really kind of slick cutscene presentation, which uh, I hadn't really seen uh, in terms of like kind of a comic book style up to that point. So so that was pretty cool. Uh, the game itself, I, I thought, was a, a pretty good kind of final fight. Rip off kind of thing, just punch and kick kind of stuff. Uh, you don't, know, don't it,
1: forget Green Jelly score. That was the yes, real driving yes. force behind this.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, it's kind of cool. The the, the the score is really good. It, it, they have a song called "Carnage Rules." Green Jelly. If you don't remember, you probably know them best from the song Three Little Pigs." Uh, if you know them at all, <laughs> <laughs> they're basically uh, Guar Junior. I guess you could say in some ways. Uh, they, you know, they get up in, in makeup and all that. Um, but yeah, so they had a song called Carnage Rules. It's actually a pretty cool song and it was adapted as well as 16-bit systems could could do that. Um, and actually when I worked on Marvel Heroes years and years later, we put Carnage as a, a team-up character in the game so he would tag along with you. And we actually made a trailer about that and we used, "At we talked to Green Jelly and we got their uh, actual uh music to, wow. to use in the tree. Uh which I was pretty proud of.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I I basically was uh, exchanging emails with Green Jelly and uh, you know, in a matter of like four days I think we put that together. Oh, it was wow. pretty crazy. Yeah. What, uh,
1: uh whenever I use Green Jelly's music on the show, I get several emails about it. Like the oh, cool. the fandom for Green Jelly is alive and functioning.
0: <laughs> I think for that game uh in by Proxy for Green Jelly from that game. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh actually there's a there's a really good YouTube channel called Panels to Pixels that as we record this, I know is working on something specifically about the music in that game which I'm looking forward to to hearing uh or seeing that anyway um so yeah the maximum carnage was an okay game with a really good representation of of the the spider-man comics you know spider-man isn't necessarily a guy who just goes around punching people but th- and that's what that game was so in that sense it wasn't really the greatest <laughs> spider-man presentation and he uh, and he
1: was very low to the ground in that game yeah yeah, you know, he had he, he wall crawled he did
0: wall crawl uh you could web-sling like do a just a simple swing on the screen uh you know you, you had a decent repertoire of, of moves
1: i i um, i have to admit that um i had this game in in the beautiful red cartridge uh that, yeah. that it was in uh a favorite of my collection and i was terrible at this game i don't think i ever got past like the third level it's because, hard yeah it was really hard And uh, I think, you know, I had recently started buying Spider-Man comics at the time um, and because I so wanted to know what happened in the story of this game, I went out and bought, you know, the Maximum Carnage comics, which was exactly what Marvel wanted me to do, I'm sure, (laughs) or or vice versa, um, or and vice versa, uh, more likely. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really kind of, I mean, at the time they were pushing Maximum Carnage so hard, it really like upped the mystique uh, of this yeah. thing in a way that's like it's pretty much unheard of these days. Like, Could you imagine a video game being produced about one story arc in Spider-Man? Like I would love a superior Spider-Man game, but that kind of reality seems so divorced from the current culture we're in.
0: Yeah, I don't really see that. I don't. I see influence from comics. I don't see adaptations really happening much anymore. But um, so actually, this game right here, I mentioned earlier. I mentioned earlier, it was a kind of impactful on me. Like it, it, it kind of made me a Spider Man fan because I liked it so much. And the anime series I think came out slightly after this did, and it was like that was just like, you know, the the beginning of me going from like, hey, I I I always liked Spider Man. You know, I, I think just as a Someone who likes superheroes, you, you like Spider-Man. Uh, but I, I didn't really know his, his universe and all that until, you know, I started getting into this. And th- this game, like, introduced me to, like, Cloak and Dagger and Iron Fist and Deathlock, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of random characters.
1: And that That's uh, how I felt about the Maximum Carnage series. It's like – yeah. it's, it's a who's who of who's who.
0: Yeah. Yeah, people seem to really love or hate that uh, series. There, there's, like, no in between. To me, to me, I didn't read it really actually until just a couple of years ago. I, I, I never actually read that story because I the game did it for me. Uh, I did find some interesting discrepancies. Like, uh, for example, uh, these uh, at one point uh, Spider-Man gets really pissed in the comic and he, he's like, you devils, I'm not going to take this anymore or something like that. I guess devils was too religious or something. Wow. Uh in in the, con, in the in the the game it says you animals you animals I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh, uh, interesting. So, yeah, it, there's like some really odd uh, changes they made if you if you take a close look at it. Uh, but a year after Maximum Carnage came its sequel, which is called uh, Venom Spider Man Separation Anxiety. Venom got the top billing in this one.
1: Huh? Uh, do you have any was, reason why? Idea why?
0: Well, Separation Anxiety is a Venom story arc, so I think sense. that's that's one reason, and he's fighting all the symbiote spawns that came after him, like Scream and all them. Those are pretty much all your bosses, so the, it's an entire game of symbiotes. Uh, the thing is, it tried to present itself as a an adaptation of Separation Anxiety. It had nothing to do with Separation Anxiety. It had a lot more do, to do with Lethal Protector, which was the first Venom series but they they made some changes in their own limited story that kind of went more along with separation anxiety and it ended up just being a mess and it it was a big downgrade from uh Maximum Carnage because it didn't uh have like the animated cutscenes it was just like a wall of text that you would see uh and it was just like it, it did give you two player that the first game didn't have but other than that, it was just a, a huge step back, and it was really disappointing.
1: It's funny because when I was a kid, I like never owned this game. I would rent it from Blockbuster, and and it had this kind of allure to it where I thought this was a superior game. And I think it was really mostly owed to that two player because I could actually get further mm. in the game because I could convince my brother to help me out because yeah, we were it was so easier. terrible. Yeah, yeah, it just. I felt like it was a better game cuz it was easier. Not 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 that that's an actual reflection on quality.
0: Right. Yeah, I I remember it being inc- very very much easier. I could beat it. I could not beat Maximum Carnage. Maybe in that regard it is it is superior. <laughs> but, you know, they pretty much gave you the same moveset and everything. So, uh, you know, it was a it was a pretty bad adaptation whereas uh, Maximum Carnage was a pretty great just adaptation. And then another the other kind of just straight adaptations where you're playing something that exists is the 3 Sam Sam Raimi movie games. Uh they all kind of had slightly different approaches like the, the first one was very level based uh but it, it you know it started with the whole uh you know tracking down well well it's, it, you know it, it all of these games kind of uh expand upon what uh, is actually presented because it's a two hour movie and it's going to be like an eight to 10 hour game typically. Right. So, you know, they, they, the first one was an adaptation of the Green Goblin story and it actually threw in new villains like Shocker and a couple other ones. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but, uh, it, it, it did, uh, it kind of felt a little too Green Goblin ish toward the end, as I recall, cause, uh, it was like the first half of the game was, was uh, Spidey fighting, you know, people like Shocker and uh, Vulture was another one, had a pretty mm-hmm. cool, uh, pretty cool uh, looking uh, cityscape there. Uh, and, you know, you just went through the story of Spider-Man at the end. You saved Mary Jane from the bridge and Green Goblin dies the same way he dies in the movie. Uh, so, you know, they they definitely just tried to straight adapt the, the movie. Uh, to game and you know spider-man 2 which is uh, an all-time favorite of a lot of spider-man game fans uh they it it was also the story of dr octopus with you know even more new villains thrown in like mysterio but you know that one stands out for its open world which was pretty revolutionary this was shortly after grand theft auto 3 which was uh the revolutionary game in terms of open worlds. and uh but the, the web swinging in it is still the best there's been to date uh,
1: I I know. might take argument with that, but but we'll really? hold, we'll hold that when we get to I think the one that holds a, a candle to it. Okay, okay, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I would say the the popular consensus is that it is still the best web swimming to date. That's uh, fair. And you know, I I actually I think I know what game you're thinking of, and I might agree with you. Uh, but it is a when 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 it went from. Spider-Man 2, I'm getting off a tangent here, but I think it's pretty relevant. Uh, when we went from Spider-Man 2 to Ultimate Spider-Man, which was the next game, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, I've, I've been told that uh, Spider-Man 2's web swinging was almost too good, and that if you're not like a hardcore gamer, then uh, the physics were just too hard to master, so they kind of simplified it from there and, and it's kind of existed in, in various states ever since. But, uh, you know, a lot of people contend that Spider-Man 2 has the best web swinging ever. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that or the main reason that it is as highly revered, uh, as it is. And Spider-Man 3, I've never played. I'll just say that, but I have watched footage and stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's Spider-Man 3.
1: It, it it famously also got really bad reviews.
0: Uh, yes. It was in that awkward transition between uh, generations. We were going from uh, PS2 and Xbox, original Xbox, not, not a Switch one, uh, to the, the 360 and the PS3. Uh, so as a result, whenever you're in that stage and you're making the same game for multiple systems, the the one that should be the best uh, is compromised it's just the way it works unfortunately and it always happens at the beginning of a at the beginning of a console generation which this was
1: um it it seemed it, to me almost that it was unfinished in, largely like that that's, that's very possible that seemed to be the i mean it was it had to tie in with the movie which is kind of the struggle of these kind of movie adaptations is they often push these release dates to Correspond when the market's hot, and you know uh, we live in a in a time, and I, I think that time isn't so discordant with today that developers are often pushing back release dates to perfect things, and we've kind of settled into that groove, which is where you know the uh, some of these later adaptations kind of really work because they don't have to feel this slavish need to tie it in. I mean, even Max from Carnage, right. I'm sure felt the need to put this game out to correspond with the release of the comic in, in some way.
0: Yeah. Uh, movie adaptations, that's always one of the the struggles for sure. But yeah, actually it's one thing that, that Spider-Man three did do well in terms of expanding the universe. It has a really cool kind of alternate take on the Scorpion. Uh, you know, I, I've only watched YouTube videos of this, but, uh, in terms of just kind of sheer story and, and, you know expanding the universe as as these games tend to do uh it had a really interesting take where uh, scorpion was kind of like a gen- or a, not a genetic experiment like a i want to say like a kind of cyborg type experiment gone wrong uh like kind of changed matt gargan's attitudes and everything and mm. and he, he was like a good guy going in and then just the stuff that happened he became kind of a sympathetic uh bad guy uh so so that, that was pretty cool. Uh, I know Kingpin's in there. I can't. I don't really remember uh, <laughs> what his extent was. Uh, but you know, it, it, again, just adapting the story uh, for the most part from start to the nice end with uh, Venom and and the huge Sandman. And, and you actually played as the new Goblin a little bit. Uh, what
1: do you What do you think about this approach to? Uh, you know, like adapting comics to video games or movies to video games is this uh, we we expressed a little bit earlier that it it seems like something that 's really separate from what we you know kind of the kind of media environment regarding video games we exist in today Do you, do you think that it, it will likely not return to this kind of format?
0: Uh, I think it will exist as a Lego game moving forward <laughs> from now on like that that format. There was a time when if there was a big blockbuster coming out, you could pretty much always anticipate a video game to go with it, and very often it was a straight adaptation, maybe expanding a little bit. But that day has passed. Um, people just stopped buying them, and you know the 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 game is only as if you do that then the game is only is can only be as good in terms of story as the movie that it represents and a lot of times the movies are you know they do fine they don't do great so the the game isn't necessarily something people are clamoring for um and you know i think people started to realize as games got more and more kind of sophisticated and actually had stories Uh, I think it took a long time for people to figure it out, but they, they really wanted something, uh, more that wasn't just a direct adaptation. Uh, that said, I do think that, uh, like a, a comic book adaptation, uh, would, would be more interesting because, uh, really only your hardcore comic fans will have read them. I think something like uh like a Spider Island for for example was just tailor made to be a video game.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Uh you know, and in, in some ways you can it, it was actually funny uh well we'll talk about this later because it's it's about another game uh that I worked on uh but yeah, I think uh I think that's that's about all there is to say about the uh, kind of adaptations.
1: Um, I mean, I'll say my dream Spider-Man game would fall into this category. I would love to see, like, an episodic, really released Spidey game that would update its uh, art style based on the writer who was operating the book at any given time. Like, if I could play a game where I played as Ditko Spider-Man for a while through – Several adventures there, and then a game that played through Ramitas and so on. It would be so hardcore and nerdy, but like, <laughs> wow, what, that would be I, I, you know, if if I was had a dream de- like game to develop, sure. that would be the one. Like, c- can each level be an issue and you know kind right. of thing? That would be super sublime, and no one would ever make it. But a boy can dream.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I do think there's room for taking maybe stories that are in comics and in like say the Spider-Man PS4 game that's a nice open world game you're going to need a lot of side quests and stuff i think you could adapt like popular stories and uh and make them missions you know just not what the game's about but just like a side mission that you don't even have to do if you don't want to. I, I, like,
1: I feel like if they were smart as developers and wanted to have DLC that had like a built-in fan base that would want to buy it, you know, like buying the, your favorite comic or select comic issues where you are like fighting your way out of a flooding building or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any number of these stories could be really exciting uh, as a, like a almost like a, a nostalgia play.
0: Oh yeah, I, I agree uh, Yeah, you know The the kind of resistance you'd get there Is like uh, How many people who actually Really know those really old stories Are playing video games uh, You know and, and You could do stuff with newer stories Yeah. Uh, but then like How many people, like what percentage of The audience that plays this game is actually Reading comics and cares about that uh, you know, It's i don't I don't have those numbers, but I actually suspect they're they're not very big i
1: <laughs> nah, uh, i I will confirm with you that they're not yeah. very big yeah <laughs> the The average issue of Spider man sells like what like seventy thousand copies maybe right. um, like we we love comics, but um you know the the audience of actual comic legally purchased comic readers is is a is a dwindling number i think. Yeah, I think a lot of it
0: has gone to to trades, like and you know, digital comics bought and ninety nine cent comicsology sales and stuff like that. You know, Marvel Unlimited, all that kind of stuff. I, I think the the audience is more than just the seventy thousand people who buy an issue, but yeah. it's still it's still a fraction of what a successful game audience would be. Yeah, no, uh, no kidding. So you're going to have a nice base there if you take that approach. And I think I think there's still a lot of people who would be like, oh, cool. I hear this is based on an actual comic series. Maybe it actually gets them to go back and read it. But in terms of like being a selling point, uh, it'd have to be a really strong concept. Um,
1: so so next up, you wanted to talk about the, the comic flavor games. Now, this isn't like yeah. a Doritos chip flavor. Uh, what? what, what Go into what you mean by comics flavored games.
0: So comic comic flavored games are, are games that you know if, if they if you wanted to throw them into a certain point of Spider Man continuity you probably could you know there's tons of tons of like spectacular Spider Man issues and whatnot that that no one remembers that uh, are technically part of his canon but uh, you know like like I, I recently learned that that Spider Man turned into Hulk at one point yeah the spider points two points there's two points in spider-man where he's turned into uh like a hulk uh i i didn't know that until recently
1: and captain Uh, universe yeah well
0: captain universe actually comes up as an alternate costume pretty often i I don't think people know what it means but uh but yeah that 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 is uh something that gamers actually kind of know about through through alternate costumes that's true but I think, uh, you know, this is basically this category, comic flavored, I'm calling it, is kind of your your comic, your games that are obviously based on the comics universe, but don't really have a firm place. And, and they date back all the way to the beginning, which is Spider-Man for Atari 2600. Uh, and that is basically the Green Goblin is has bombs and Spider-Man has to climb up a building and stop him. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's an Atari game, so it's pretty simple. I do contend that it is one of the more playable today, uh, Atari games that are out there. It's, it's still kind of fun. If you, you know, if you, you know what you're in for, uh, you
1: know, your description it, makes it sound like Donkey Kong. Is that, is that a it far is kind reach... of a Donkey Kong. Okay. I
0: was, I, that was actually going to be the next thing I was going to say was, uh, it, 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 does have a very Donkey Kong flavor to it. The green goblin is at the very top of the building. Spider Man's got a he doesn't he doesn't wall crawl the wall crawler does not wall crawl at all in this game but he shoots webs and uh, the webs cannot hit windows <laughs> uh, for whatever reason uh, the, his his webbing in this particular version uh, is uh, it's going to slip off of windows but if you, you you don't if know you touch- the number
1: one Spider Man rule don't hit the windows
0: <laughs> I guess not I guess not. Uh, yeah, so you, you gotta make your way up the building and there's like thugs. I, I don't know if, I can't remember if they're thugs or if they're people to rescue, but you can touch them and you're either putting them in their place as thugs or you're rescuing them as people. I, I I think it's thugs, uh, but you work away at to the top it's and a big
1: distinction.
0: Got, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a, it's a, the shape of a person in a window. So there, there you go. Atari. Yeah. uh, And then you get to the top and you disarm the bomb and uh, you go to another level and you keep going and going because that's what Atari games did. Uh, One one kind of cool thing about this game is, uh, you know, back then, you know, now you have these teams of 100 plus people that work on top tier games. This was, I think, I think mainly one person with like music help from another person. Uh, and, And that was a woman in a very male dominated field at the time. Uh, her name is, uh, oh, shoot. I forgot her name off the top of my head, but, it, uh, she, uh, is very, it, you know, it's like the, the only game she ever made, I think. And, uh, it, it's just pretty cool. I think that, uh, uh, the very first ever, uh, Spider-Man game was developed by one person. It was a woman and it was for a company called Parker brothers, oh. which, uh, <laughs> is, is pretty appropriate. That's funny. Although there's only one Parker, but what, you know what are you going to do. Um,
1: well, no, now there's now there's multiple.
0: Oh, don't that's for, right.
1: Don't forget about Kane Parker.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Back then there wasn't. <laughs>
1: okay, all right.
0: Uh, so yeah, that. Um, also, this game has a really great commercial. You should check that out uh, at some point on YouTube. I made a video about it too. Going fast forwarding a few years, um, Spider-Man: The Video Game is what it, this one game was called. It was in the arcade from Sega. I, I think it does a really good job of kind of capturing the color of, of a comic book. Uh, it, it still has a really kind of cool look to it. It came out in 1991. It's all sprite-based, so, you know, it doesn't look like uh, like a PlayStation 1 kind of 3D model or something like that that, that doesn't really hold up today.
1: It looks really uh, good for 1991.
0: Yeah, it does. It does, and and if you go back and play it, you know, it's just – it's just punch, 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 and then there's some, like, platforming sections, and then it's a four-player game. Uh, do you know what the other uh, playable characters
1: are, Dan? Is Ve- Venom a playable character, he's, like, the first villain? No.
0: No, yeah, Venom's is the first and last villain. He actually comes back at the end, uh, right after you beat Doctor Doom. Uh, yeah, you go to Latveria, which uh, the, the, the game calls Latvelia.
1: There you it's
0: go. Made in Japan.
1: Okay, I'm going uh, to guess Black Cat. Yes. Okay. You know, those are the only two I played with my wife. We we played it in an arcade a few months back.
0: The other two are so closely associated with Spider-Man though, Hawkeye and Namor.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> how yeah, how was... many of those were leftovers from the Avengers game they'd made?
0: Uh, well, Sega didn't make that. So it oh. it was all, yeah, it was all new stuff. Although, yeah, both of those did appear in the Avengers game uh, that same year. Uh, yeah, so you could play as Spider-Man, Hawkeye, <laughs> namor and black cat uh they all basically had the same move set in in different ways uh you know spider-man had a web slinging move and black cat used a grappling hook and i don't remember what namor and and hawkeye did exactly but you know everybody kind of played the same but uh you know you went through and you just beat up on scorpion and uh green goblin and uh, a nice menagerie of spider-man villains and it had it had like it had kingpin and it had dr doom was the, the the supposed main villain and then venom comes back this was like this was the first time i saw venom actually as a as a person because uh, i wasn't really reading the comics back then and uh he was a really new character at the time and there's he does some things in the game that are not really a venom kind of thing to do like he becomes like the size of like uh godzilla or something like that
1: well time out you must not have read venom inc yet
0: oh i haven't <laughs>
1: Spo- spoilers for venom inc is venom inc uh, an adaptation of this game it, it it may just be we might have to change the column wow. that this game is in now but um That's fantastic you mentioned the godzilla sized venom like this is to continue our theme i was also not very good at this game Or never had enough quarters to get past giant Godzilla-sized Venom, which admittedly is like the third level of the game. Oh, yeah, that's that's like the first level. (laughs) It's like five minutes in. I never had enough quarters, (laughs) I got to say.
0: Yeah, I I never actually beat it myself. I've just looked on YouTube. Uh, YouTube's a great source for just looking at games in their entirety, even though they completely break copyright law if you want to get down to it. But uh, it's really good for research. That's for sure. So then there was a game also from Sega around that time called... uh, At first, it was just called Spider-Man. And uh, it it came out on the Sega Genesis. And then a few years later, they remade remade the game on the Sega CD, which, uh, you know, at the time was a huge advance because you could have, like, CD-quality sound, and you could actually hear people talk in, in, in not just, like, a digitized way. It was, like, real people, you know using words that were recorded uh, like you would in games today um, just not so, as well
1: written as games today
0: yeah n- and not as well acted
1: yeah that's <laughs> not by a long shot yeah uh,
0: and in fact in this game I'm I'm pretty sure that about half of the voices are all cam Clark who uh, is a was a I, I guess he's still around but he was around a lot like in the 90s and 2000s. uh uh, gamers know him as liquid snake probably best of all Mm. uh, from metal gear and uh i think he was he man in that 2002 series uh he's he's done a lot you'd know his voice if you heard it and i think he's like half of the voices in the game including spider-man who 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 talks kind of like this like you know like almost like a like your stereotypical generic superhero hi i'm joe smith Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We hadn't really figured out that, you know, kind of the young and playful was the way to go with them. Uh, But yeah, what the Sega CD game did, which was interesting, was it was at its core, it was the Sega Genesis game that had come out before it. But all of these kind of extra bells and whistles kind of made it a whole new game. And, you know, it 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 put you in. uh, Obviously, your Kingpin was the final boss. And then you know you had your characters that you fought along the way. Uh, you know, I think Vulture's in there. I, I know even uh, when guarding Kingpin in this version that was not in the Genesis version, it had uh, had Typhoid Mary and, and Bullseye, uh, which was pretty cool, which is more of a Daredevil thing, but it still fit with Kingpin. But yeah, so that that was a, a pretty cool representation. Also, this song, <laughs> this uh, version has a really awesome like hair metal theme that's done by a guy named eric martin who uh, people probably know best as mr big uh mm-hmm. from the song uh, I, uh, to be with you i'm the one who wants to be with you that song uh it's like a really rockin' hair rock uh <laughs> song that came out uh you know when we were all into grunge so it was a little late anyway but it, it's it's a really cool fun thing to listen to uh you can you, know, you can listen to the whole thing on YouTube as well.
1: Spare no expense on these <clears throat> Spider-Man soundtracks. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, and then uh, we jumped to 2,000. By the way, this whole thing, this is not comprehensive. I want to make that clear because uh, if it was comprehensive, we'd be here for hours and hours and hours, whereas you know we want to make this listenable. uh. But yeah, jumping ahead to 2000 comes what I believe is the most single important Spider-Man game, which is Spider-Man by Neversoft for Activision uh, on the PlayStation 1 and then also on the Nintendo 64 and Dreamcast and PC. Uh, Most people, I think, know it's a PlayStation game. Uh, This game was really uh, just a a love letter to Spider-Man and, you know, unlike... Unlike Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, which did have voices and everything, this was really the first time it was like a a really kind of production, like with uh, with really high quality voice talent, Uh, and you know it it wasn't a super long game, but it took you through a really cool story that included lots of uh, lots of signature villains. It ended. And I'm sorry for a spoiler for a very old game here, but it ended with Doctor Octopus merging with the Carnage symbiote, which was pretty cool. And the Red
1: uh, Octopus
0: was it, was he actually called that?
1: No, I'm just I, joking. I'll go with that because the big plot line right now is that Norman Osborn has merged with the Carnage symbiote and is now the Red ah, right. Goblin. So right. There you go.
0: There you go. There you go uh so yeah so the the red octopus as we will call him pursues spider-man uh to the end of the game and it's got a lot of cool cameos in there it's got punisher it's got captain america it's got daredevil uh it had a whole like what if mode which had just like just got weird like gave characters big heads and stuff and
1: (laughs) and and black cat looked the same in what if because she already looked weird (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's true she uh she was not a very well it, it, you know it was playstation one so the best you could really do with a, a female model back then was like the kind of lara croft like uh kind of pointy press kind of thing uh you know it got it was a little better on
1: dreamcast i'll say i i owned it on dreamcast so okay, okay. uh and i still i still own it on dreamcast uh uh funnily enough Cool. Well you should. It's great. I, it's- I loved this game. I uh I share the same affinity for it that I think you do. Mm-hmm. Um which I, I just, oh, every time you talk about this game, I'm like, yeah, he is hundred <laughs> percent right. And you had the um the honor of reviewing this game, correct? I sure did.
0: Yeah. Gave it a five out of five in the official US PlayStation magazine. Uh and I, I still hold I still uh stand by that. Uh it, it generally got like eights and nines for the most part. Uh, you know, and her review is subjective, so I really love Spider-Man, and I'm gonna give it that extra.
1: <laughs> how, how hard was it to give it that score in the magazine? Was there pushback?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say there was pushback. There was a little bit of questioning afterwards. Maybe a little bit daring from the, you know, I, I worked down the hall from Electronic Gaming Monthly, which, uh, was, was another, was, was actually the magazine I grew up reading, other than Nintendo Power. And, uh, yeah, they got, they gave it like 7.5s and 8s, I think, which, you know, is still pretty good. Uh, everyone acknowledged it was a good game. I think I liked it more than they did, but, you know.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I mean, the, by the very fact that you could web-sling across roofto- rooftops and climb yeah. up walls, I was like 100% sold. Um, yeah, it, I can't yeah, it remem- definitely felt.
0: Sorry. It definitely had the Spidey feel more than, than any game, for sure.
1: I, I, I can't remember, was this the one to introduce like light stealth into the Spider Man world? Uh
0: I, I don't think there was much stealth going oh there was a little bit. Yeah, there was like a level where uh there was like a bank robbery and you stuck to the ceiling and uh you know you you would go basically hop down on guys. So yeah, there was a, a degree of stealth. It was not like what it would be in in, in some later games that we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, but yeah, there was a degree there for sure.
1: I I remember a particularly frustrating, like, uh, office level where you're like jump dropping out of the shadows from the ceiling. Is that this game or am I mixing? That is it.
0: That's actually exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of funny when I was back then I was working on the magazine. Uh, the person who showed it to us was a guy named TQ Jefferson. Uh, he now works at Skybound on walking dead stuff. But, uh, he worked at activision at the time and it was his his production it was he was a producer on the game uh and you know we kind of bonded at that point because he was a huge huge spider-man fan maybe even bigger than me and uh and he uh you know we we, we kept in touch over the years because because we were we had this spidey bond right <laughs> spider brothers <laughs> like you did, uh, yeah then eight years later, he'd become my boss at Marvel and he was the, uh, the VP of games there from like 2008 to 2014. So, uh, you know, we, he was my friend and then he was my boss <laughs> and that was pretty cool.
1: That is cool. Uh,
0: yeah, but he had a, a saying for that particular level that was, uh, evil never looks up. <laughs> Cause you're, you basically spent that, that particular level on the ceiling, uh, plopping down on guys when you could. Uh, But that was his saying for that, which I I still to this day find pretty funny because it kind of holds true whenever you're in that situation in any game, whether it's Spider-Man or not. Batman, Arkham Asylum, that kind of stuff. Evil never looks up.
1: (laughs) I I have a a phrase for that level in most Spider-Man games, which is evil is crawling on the ceiling because controls on the ceiling were always (laughs) fraught with incredible difficulty.
0: Yeah, the camera in that game was, was its biggest fault. Definitely, and and yeah, especially when you're on the ceiling. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to to get right. Like, because we as human beings do not do that.
1: <laughs> and does it invert Just, your joystick? I could never remember. It's up yeah. up? Is down down? Like, what is up and down when you're Spider-Man?
0: Right, right. Yeah, that, that fine questions. All of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that had a sequel. Uh, it wasn't as good. Uh, Called Spider-Man 2, Enter Electro. That's an interesting game uh, because this is a little heavy here. But the last level in that game was modified because the last level in that game was originally the Twin Towers. Oh. This game came out, I believe it was October 2001. uh, And I reviewed that game as well. I reviewed it like in August. So the version I played actually had the Twin Towers in it. And then, you know, we had September 11th, uh, awful day. Uh, and, you know, that it's one of those weird things where they, they were like, well, we got to change this. And and so I think if you play it now, it's uh, it's like one kind of conjoined uh, building. But uh, that, that was is very awkward. Uh, but, you know, th- the game itself was kind of more the same just with not quite as cool villains like it had like kind of like the rhino stage but it had hammerhead charging at you you know hammerhead's okay i guess but rhino's cooler and <laughs> uh it was, it was a bunch of that kind of stuff uh so that that was a three and a half out of five to me back then i remember
1: Oh okay um you you recall that story of you know the twin towers it reminds yeah. me a lot of the um you know the early teaser for the raimi movie Yeah. That saw Spider-Man catching the crooks in the web between the towers.
0: Yeah, that's a great
1: teaser. It it makes me wonder, maybe you have some, I'm sure you have some insight on this. This kind of, like, the pacing of these games, um, you know, were these right before the Raimi games? It seemed like there was a real, like, uh, quick, you know, uh, quantity of these games coming out, uh, you know, around the time of that first movie.
0: Yeah, well, Activision had the license and they wanted to use it. Uh so they would pump out something pretty much every year for a while there. Uh yeah, we had this was yeah, the first game was 2000, then this one was 2001 and 2002 you'd have the first movie game. I guess they took a year off and you know the second movie game then, you know, that they, they kind of went with the cadence of the movies at that point. Uh but yeah, they had the license and they wanted to use it
1: and uh, they took it. I don't it, blame them.
0: Yeah. And you know, they they treated it well. You know, I I I don't think Spider-Man 2 was as good, but you know, it was also kind of in a weird transition between PS1 and PS2. Uh, PS1 was still very relevant, but PS2 was out. And, uh, you know, so it, this was not Activision's priority at that point. Uh, the PS2 was, and, you know, they were already, I'm sure, making the the, the movie game that Treyarch would uh, come out with. Uh, so, you know, the Spider-Man 2 came out, and it, it was fine. Uh, I think, yeah, my, in my review, I said, strangely enough, lightning doesn't strike twice, uh, for the electro game.
1: Well, look at Uh, you.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, some kid like really liked that. Like they wrote in there like, I really liked what you said. And that, that just stuck with me. I think that's the only reason I remember even saying that, uh, uh, but yeah, so let's, Flash forward a few more years, still in this comic-flavored kind of category. My first Spider-Man game I got to work on was Spider-Man Web of Shadows, which among fans today I think is one of the favorites. I get a lot of people, you know, when I started putting out YouTube videos and saying, hey, I used to work on these games, uh, people would be like, dude, I love Web of Shadows. That was my childhood. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Now I feel old. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, yeah, so Web of Shadows – was uh, very much a Spider-Man and Venom-centric game, with Venom being the ultimate bad guy. He actually gets bigger in this game than he did in that game I talked about earlier at the end. Uh, and basically, a symbiote invasion happens by sheer coincidence. The same thing was happening in the comics at the time. It, it, there really was no correlation there. Just I, I don't know if you remember New Avengers back then, but there sure. was a kind of, there was a storyline where uh, a symbiote invasion was happening. And that happened like right as this game was uh, nearing the its end of production. But uh, I just found it really interesting that you know that those two things just that happened is funny at the same time. Uh, there's another instance of that I'll get to in a bit. Uh, and then uh, yeah, so Web of Shadows uh, had like a lot of cool cameos like uh, Luke Cage, Moon Knight, uh, and and you know with the symbiote invasion, it also kind of featured uh, traditional villains. Still being villains in the game, but also eventually being, uh, you know, unlikely allies like Kingpin, Tinker, Vulture. They all eventually uh, join Spider-Man in the fight against the symbiotes. Uh, so it was a really interesting story. Uh, and, you know, you could play it out. Uh, the, kind of the, the, the big feature of this game was you could switch between the symbiote uh, costume for Spider-Man and his traditional costume. And, and, you know, the symbiote was more powerful and more fun, to to be honest. Uh, not not that Spider-Man himself wasn't, because this had, I would say, the best combat system that we've seen in the Spider-Man game so far.
1: Yeah, it was really complex.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, and you, there was a, a huge, robust set of moves. There was one really awesome move where you could just, like, almost spring off of a bad guy off to another guy. It was like a, a, a chain of, springing off of people that just felt really good and you know there were like these kind of almost skateboard kind of moves which makes sense because uh the developer was called shaba and they made a a skateboarding game not tony hawk uh uh, what was it called i forget uh but their their pedigree was uh was skateboard games so you kind of see that too and and Uh, all the
1: venom stuff was kind of like it's like super saiyan uh, Spider-Man, like it was like over the top, crazy yeah. symbiote stuff.
0: Totally, totally, and, and it did affect his uh, his attitude. He was, you know, <laughs> he was almost Wolverine-ish, and you actually fought a symbiote Wolverine, uh, which I do actually remember feedback coming from New York at the time because, like I said, this uh, this new Avenger story was happening, and in that story, the uh, w- Wolverine rejects the symbiote because of his healing factor. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we basically just took, we didn't know that, (laughs) (laughs) or Activision, Activision didn't know that, that was written before that happened, so, you know, we had to stick with that, uh, and, you know, no one really called us out on it or anything, but, and, and, you know, Symbiote Wolverine's pretty cool.
1: And it's one of the highlights of the game, so, you know, there you
0: go. And you played this one, Dan?
1: Uh, lightly, uh, it. It it was never one I owned, but I had a friend who had it, so I got to kind of watch it a lot more than I played it.
0: Yeah, there's one part in the game I'd love to hear your take on, maybe someday, and, uh, you know, a lot of the hardcore Spider-Man fans here probably remembered it if if they got that far. Uh, It's almost like a a Spider-Man quiz, uh, because Wolverine uh, encounters Spider-Man in his black suit, I think was the scenario, and he he needs to make sure that that he's still dealing with with Peter cuz the whole city's like consumed by symbiotes and everybody's going crazy. Right. Uh and so he basically asks you uh, things that Wolverine and and Spider-Man would know. So like, you know, he asks you about Ned Leeds and and uh a couple of questions about the new Avengers and and stuff like that. Uh which, you know, the the hardcore fans like they really liked that, and the people who were just like Spider-Man, they didn't know the answers to these things.
1: <laughs> Not, it didn't
0: really matter. It was kind of just a, a cool little Easter egg thing. What
1: was the name of the woman you murdered in a graveyard with me?
0: <laughs> did that happen? I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, it did. Uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we, we did have some stuff in there. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Critical Damage, I think, was a character from that do you remember wow. he's like the blob but he has uh like electric fingers or something
1: yeah that yeah, that's was a question
0: right. yeah he was a, he was one of the questions uh so yeah that that was one of the first things that i had a very active role in it was like finding all of the at the time actually there weren't a whole lot of, of spider-man and wolverine crossover not as much as you would think.
1: yeah call in the nerd he'll help us with this <laughs> yeah
0: and i was still getting my my feet wet in terms of like how to research things i didn't i didn't know all the tricks that i know now uh so you know we did uh you know we got some marvel night stuff in there uh you yeah, know it's like i think who did we have punch and pie with or something and the answer is aunt may <laughs> 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 uh but yeah I, I think that's something that your audience especially would, would appreciate i'm going to have
1: to find that on stuff. youtube and just take the quiz myself yeah,
0: yeah you should you should um so yeah, that that pretty much covers Web of Shadows. You could go totally evil, by the way. Like you could end the game and be like, you know, the total black suit consumes Spider Man and, and he's ruling New York, basically. He's like the ruler of the symbiotes. What
1: which, I've uh, always wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I think this
0: is I think this is the only Spider Man game where you can basically be an evil Spider Man at the end. Which uh you know, I, I don't know if the, they'd go back to that. I think uh I'm not sure I would have gone back to that in my my later years. It's, a, it's kind of a controversial thing to, to do that. It, but uh, I do think it's pretty cool, actually.
1: That game mechanic was kind of in vogue at the time, too. This kind of good yeah, it really meter. Was. Yeah, it
0: really was. Like Knights of the Old Republic and uh, games like that, uh, Fable, uh, a lot of games were like, are you going to be good or are you going to be bad? That was a huge trend at the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so a lot of people love that game. and It got kind of mixed reviews at the time, uh, but it seems like, at least among fans, it's it's a favorite these days.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I hear a lot about it, and uh, maybe a lot from you, but uh, I do hear a lot about it all the same.
0: <laughs> Check my comments section. You'll see it all the time. I will. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how much that game comes up. Uh, and... Next, I think we'll talk about uh, just quickly talk about Marvel Pinball: The Amazing Spider-Man, which uh, is a game I'm that I, I was very actively involved with creating, and now I actually work with the company contractually that that uh, put it out. Uh, but I I love uh, the Amazing Spider-Man table and Marvel Pinball and all of them in general. You know, it, it does a really great job of uh, kind of just highlighting all the major villains. Uh, you know, they do stuff like. Dr. Octopus walks around the table and picks up your ball. The balls will turn into pumpkin bombs when the Green Goblin is active, and you have to, like, uh, you, you quote-unquote throw them back at him by nailing ramps with the pumpkin bombs. Mm. Uh, and it, it's got a lot of kind of cool inventive things. Uh, one of my favorite things to tell people about this table is that Dan Slott, Dan Slott, writer of Spider-Man last decade, is one of the best amazing spider-man pinball table players in the world wow uh so at some point i haven't looked in a long time but at some point in i'd say probably 2011 2012 he was like top 50 on xbox live like everyone on xbox who uh has played amazing spider-man pinball uh he was among the very best uh i asked him about it once he said yeah you know i, I love that game because you can just like pause it and come back and, and keep going and, you know, catch your breath. And that was like his secret to, to being <laughs> one of wow. the all-time great uh, Spider-Man pinball players.
1: I would never have guessed that, but I I guess I'm, yeah. I'm both surprised and not that surprised. Yeah, you know, this was
0: uh, – he was probably at his height around Spider-Island, I'd imagine. I'm surprised
1: it hasn't found its way into the comics proper. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Maybe he should put it in there. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got
1: a few more issues to go.
0: That's true. Maybe that maybe that's what his last issue is going to be. He's going to surprise us all and be like, "This is just amazing Spider-Man pinball the comic."
1: That's that's interesting. It's all been in a, a macro universe inside of a pinball table. He's yeah. always
0: talking about the long game. It all takes place in in arcades, Murder World pinball, or something.
1: There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I I'd buy that. But I'm also contractually obligated to buy everything.
0: (laughs) Cool. Um, So, yeah, let's just uh, talk about some other ones real quickly here. Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited is a a mobile game that you can play right now. It's got, like, over 300-something different versions of Spider-Man now. You know, a lot of them are are different characters who play like Spider-Man. But it's it's like a runner. It's fun. It it has a really cool kind of art style to it, very cartoonish. Uh, but yeah, like these other ones, it 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 kind of fits in a six one six kind of fashion, but isn't really. So
1: I uh, definitely had a solid two months of obsession with this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, people still do. It's,
1: they it's they active. updated it and added like turns into the game, and that's where I checked out because it was like mm-hmm. it just suddenly got too random in terms of my skill ability. I I I was I was at the top of my game. I was. Uh, in the top of the rankings on that game, and then they added turns, and I was like, you know what, this is where us old-timers check out. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, one of my favorite games that I worked on was actually Shattered Dimensions, and that, I I, kind of say it's a tie between Shattered Dimensions and the 2000 game as to what my favorite personal game is of of, uh, Spider-Man game history. Uh, Shattered Dimensions, if you don't know, was kind of Spider-Verse, like a very miniature version of Spider-Verse that came out in 2010 on X360 and PlayStation 3. Uh, And it it joined together, uh, well, we actually called him the Amazing Spider-Man. And uh, he was voiced by Neil Patrick Harris because Neil Patrick Harris was Spider-Man in the the MTV cartoon. And we had Spider-Man 2099, who was uh, voiced by Dan Gavazin, I mean, Dan Gavazin, (laughs) <laughs> uh uh the the amazing spider-man uh then we had ultimate spider-man in his black costume uh just the reasoning there was because we wanted to vary up the gameplay more uh because if it's just ultimate spider-man and then just kind of typical amazing spider-man then those are kind of the same character so, so we we gave the black costume back to him uh and then uh The fourth one was uh, Noir, which was a pretty new idea at the time. Uh, The the whole Noir series had kind of just come out when uh, they were making uh, – when they were creating what they wanted to do with this game. So uh, I combined these four different uh, eras, and they were all on this quest to find shards of uh, a, a tablet. I forget what the tablet was called but uh like you life know life and death
1: or something like that
0: something like that uh but yeah this was actually a story that uh dan slot did bring him his name back into things uh yeah he, he uh did the structure of the story and and most of the cutscenes. uh some other writers worked on it as well and uh yeah i mean i think it, it's just a, a really great kind of look at uh it has all your your favorite characters in there in some form. Like it has it has like Noir Goblin, which was interesting. Uh, Noir Vulture. Uh, we we made up some characters like uh, Hobgoblin twenty ninety nine was a, a made up character.
1: A cool uh, character too.
0: I thought so. I thought so. Yeah, because they had a they had something they wanted to do with. Uh, they, originally, it was just a Goblin twenty ninety nine, and and there is a Goblin twenty ninety nine already. And it's kind of a different thing than what they wanted to do. So we were like, hey, just make, make up Hobgoblin. You know, there's no Hobgoblin there. So make him a little more kind of, uh, you know, uh, almost ro- – I don't want to say robotic, but he, he's got kind of a, a, a more robotic appearance anyway. He's not robotic. But uh, anyway, he's all shiny.
1: <laughs> I like the shiny uh, goblin.
0: Yeah. And we had a Dr. Octopus that was female from 2099. Uh, she was pretty cool. We, I, I was exchanging emails with uh, Tom Brevoort back then of, of uh, the who's been with Marvel forever as an editor. Uh, we kind of helped create him together, you know. And you had like Ultimate Electro, and but one of the kind of cool things was, you know, like this is a game that we still we wanted you to think that maybe it could fit in all of these, uh, and you know, it re- didn't really at the time make sense for uh, like Ultimate Spider-Man to have the black suit because. He just wanted to get rid of that thing. He never wanted to have that again. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we made it. We we made an excuse for that to happen. I remember I even went so far as to get super geeky about it and to say, you know, if we wanted to, we could put this like as issue number one hundred something point five because uh, there was like because he got it back later on. And, and I think we'll talk about this again, too. Uh <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, we put a lot of thought into making things fit. Uh, and as much you as- could,
1: you could tell Shattered Dimensions is beautifully done. Um, and I think when we're talking about this kind of comic flavored, to me, the comics were never better represented than in, in Shattered Dimensions. It's, cool. it is, uh. I don't know. I, I would say it's my favorite, but uh, uh, there's another one we're going to get to that might be my favorite. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of just, like, moment-to-moment fun, it never got better than Shattered Dimensions.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, it, it was definitely a, kind of a tighter experience than something like a Spider-Man 2 was. Um, you know, it didn't have the open world, which is the reason a lot of people don't like it. 'cause uh a lot of people once the open world hit were like Spider man's always got to be open world. there's no other way to do him, uh and you know I think there's room for both i think uh well one thing that I think was actually kind of cool i can I can relay kind of a behind the scenes story here i guess is uh you know uh there was uh in development there was a fight with Juggernaut, which was actually inspired by the classic juggernaut story from the eighties. And uh, you know it's it's not that exactly, but it's kind of inspired by it. And the way it was initially kind of kind of made was, you know, Spider-Man just kind of beats him up, and you know, that's it. Which, if you know the Juggernaut, it's not really the case, right? He, nothing stops the Juggernaut, right? So, uh, the way the the fiction of this particular game worked was. Uh, these supervillains were getting hold of the shard pieces that everybody's after and it was making them more powerful. So the idea that we had to kind of fix that was to make the uh, shard actually counter the power of the gem of Ciderac. So it made him vulnerable. That's clever. Uh, uh, and And we did that with a line of dialogue. Like it's, like Madam Webb uh connects to Spider Man through, you know, Madam Webb powers, whatever those are
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and and says, you know, the, the 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 shard is actually countering his powers. You can actually defeat him. Something like that. Uh I think Spider Man's retort is, with with great power comes great vulnerability.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I, I did not write that, but, uh, I, I, don't know who did actually. I think that was, uh, the, the secondary writer they had, but you're, yeah, it's making
1: me even more keen to return to this thing.
0: Yeah. Well, well stuff like that is the kind of, you know, when it was my job at Marvel to kind of oversee how that things were being presented as they should, it was like, that's the kind of thing I did. And I think that's like a really kind of tangible example. Uh, cause a lot of it is super small and, and minuscule and almost boring, but uh, you know, when you can point to things like that and just you know, giving creative direction in costumes and stuff like that, like that, that's one of my kind of go-to examples of, of something that that you know I, that I did that was a simple change that changed a pretty glaring error that we could not have fixed at that point in development.
1: You had a and, lot to do with the how Deadpool's presented in this game, correct?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Ultimate Deadpool. Is who it is, and if you've read Ultimate Deadpool, he's really straightforward mercenary. He's not Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Nolan North, uh, you know the 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 meme pool you, you could call him today. Even uh, he's not funny, and you know we wanted Deadpool in the game, but that's not the Deadpool we wanted. Like that's not the like you know like I was saying earlier, a lot of people don't actually read. Comics, they 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 know the gist of what characters are about, and that's not the Deadpool they know. So it, we wanted to make him funny. E- even uh, the people
1: that read Ultimate Deadpool don't really like Ultimate Deadpool,
0: right? Right. I've actually seen Ben to say, you know, if I could take one thing back, uh, it would be how I handled Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and yeah, so so what we did with him was in the story uh, that happens in the comics with Deadpool is he dies, or at least it's implied that he dies. And then you kind of get the sense that he didn't really die. So we used that as a way to explain that he went crazy and he went loopy. And now he's the Deadpool that you actually like. (laughs) So, you know, we actually got Nolan North, who at that point, I think, had only done Hulk versus, and, uh, which was uh, an animated movie, the straight to DVD animated movie mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, got, got kind of mixed reviews, but Nolan North in that, uh, was, was a huge success. Everybody loved him. Uh, you know, the, just the, the video compilation of him in Hulk versus, if you look that up on YouTube, it's in the millions and hits. Uh, and, and that, that was one of his defining roles. If you don't know, Nolan North is probably, the most famous voice actor, him and like Troy Baker, I say, I think is up there. Uh, like he's, he's royalty in, in, voice acting, uh, Nathan Drake from uncharted and just tons of other roles. There's even, there's, there's a funny internet clip of him talking to himself in the game mafia. Like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I I'd like to think that this game at least in some ways made Deadpool at least a little more popular. He was already like a, a meme superstar at that point. And uh, I remember like any Marvel game that would be announced, at, like the second comment in any story would be, is Deadpool in it? <laughs> so we, we put him in this one. Uh, and then there
1: was the Deadpool, there was the Deadpool game, which to me had a very similar vibe to this whole section of this game. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was a, a very wacky, out there uh, Deadpool that kind of used the the three voices in his head that Daniel Way uh, wrote back uh, at that time, um, and that was super fun to work on as well.
1: Oh, you were also worked on that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and Deadpool
0: Pinball also, <laughs> also had Nolan North.
1: Really awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, the follow-up to Shattered Dimensions, Edge of Time. Do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, that one gets, you know, it's not as good. I'll say that. But I think it gets a lot of uh, kind of undeserved flack for being like half the game that Shattered Dimensions was. Because Edge of Time had uh, it had Spider-Man, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, and it had uh, Spider-Man 2099, and that's it. It didn't have any other, didn't have Noir, didn't have Ultimate. So people were like, oh, that's half the game. Well, no, I mean, it is a shorter game. That is true. Uh, But it's also uh, like a much tighter story with like they're actually interacting in this. There was only one scene in the previous game at the very end where the characters interact, which I always kind of regretted. But in this one, which was completely written by Peter David, like he wrote everything, which is actually pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, It's usually, uh, you know kind of split between, uh, you know, his creative direction, like, you know, like Dan did with, uh, well, Dan wrote some of Spider-Man D- Dimensions, or Shattered Dimensions too, and he's offering creative director direction in uh, Spider-Man PS4. But uh, it's pretty rare for, like, one premiere guy to write the whole thing, but Peter David did. And it's a really tight script that uh, has a huge plot hole in it. I won't get into that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we we let that slide... Because it's time travel, and time travel is just weird like that.
1: Did this come right before the um, uh, the resurgence of Spider Man twenty ninety nine in the comics? Like it kind of preceded that. There seemed to be this wave. Yeah. Of, it was before that. of Of things that just wanted to bring twenty ninety nine back was
0: oh, was, like Time Storm. Yeah, I think Time Storm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Time yeah. Storm? Mm-hmm. yeah, that I think that came during the the uh, Shattered Dimensions era. So it's I guess it's still kind of pertained at that point. It was only a year later. It wasn't a, a huge wait between those two games. Uh, that whole game was inside, which I think was kind of uh, uh, one of its negative points. Uh, it, it took place entirely inside of Alchemax. So, you know, there weren't any outdoor environments, which mm-hmm. I think kind of worked against it. It had some interesting things. Like it actually had that Black Cat 2099, and it's never really clearly defined if that was like a, just a clone of Felicia Hardy or if it was like a, like Felicia in another form or, or something like that. And then uh, at the end, uh, you want me to spoil it? I, I'll spoil it. Uh, at the end, it turns out that the big boss is actually, uh, an evil version of Peter Parker, oh. uh, which is, I think, uh, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say yeah. that, uh, because I, I might be misremembering here, but I, that was, uh, that was something that Peter David really wanted to do. So, so we did that, uh, we had anti-venom in that game because anti-venom was a big deal at the time. I
1: remember. And he was like this big hulking anti-venom.
0: Yeah. 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 Totally. And uh, I think, like, that particular character model I think is really beautiful and even as a 360 game I think kind of holds up today. No you kidding. Back, it was it.
1: gorgeous looking. I mean a, lo- a yeah. lot of that game was really pretty to look at. Um, I mean uh, so so back on the 2099 thing, was do you know if there was any push from Marvel to make a 2099 game? I mean it just seemed like he he just suddenly appeared in, like, several different – mediums at the same time and then eventually found his own comic back i mean you know
0: i think what the answer to that question is that activision thought he'd make a a fun game character like just his world his world in in shattered dimensions was really cool yeah like the the way it was presented uh you know i don't want to say blade runner but uh it it had a, a really cool kind of futuristic look to it that you know i hadn't quite seen i don't know that i have seen like something quite like it before,
1: yeah no um, and, and and the gameplay for him was wildly different than the other ones, yeah, totally I'm, a lot I'm of falling, sure. a lot of gliding <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know like uh, he doesn't web sling right he just kind of zips around and, and he's got yeah. that uh matrix like effect,
0: yeah, I will say actually that edge of time corrected what I think is probably the biggest fault of shattered dimensions in the that being the characterization yeah. of, of twenty ninety nine. In Shadow yeah. Dimensions we kind of made him another another Peter Parker, really. Uh he's he's a little jokey where you know Miguel's not really like that. Um but yeah I, I you know I think again that goes back to like what what are people expecting and, and what do they really want. Because people don't really know Spider-Man twenty ninety nine. They know he has a cool costume. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> at least at that point. <clears throat>
1: Is this? Are these comic flavored games your favorite like type of game adaptation? If you were if you were to direct the game, is this what you would choose to do?
0: I think so. Yeah, and, and I think they're. Uh, I think I think the game being produced now mostly fits into that category. Uh, with the kind of caveat that it's definitively its own universe.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, but it has like the feast. Center in it, so like you know, yeah. like you don't get much more comic nerdy than that.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. We uh, the feast is in uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes. I made sure that was in there.
1: There you go. <laughs> uh, I
0: think it's in the Amazing Spider-Man too. I think I know Horizon is because uh, Horizon was still around and kicking back then. Uh, but yeah, so that is is that category, and there are many more examples uh, that we didn't get into. Uh, But in the the final category, I think we we can finally move on, is uh, games that exist in the universe or at least, like, really try to present themselves as something that directly relates to comics. So real quickly here, one of them, I think, that's here is uh, an old game called Spider-Man and the X-Men and Arcade's Revenge, which uh, is kind of kind of a sequel to uh the famous issue of uncanny x-men where spider-man joins them against arcade and there's like a big pinball machine and they're all like pinballs that arcade is playing and terrorizing them with it in the murder world facility that he has created uh and this game kind of takes that approach and uh they they are they're in murder world again and it's different mutants this time it's uh it's Wolverine and and Storm. Storm is
1: underwater this yep, whole game. Yeah.
0: shooting Wol- lightning bolts.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Wolverine is in like in like a giant cake land.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's like a babes in toyland kind of. Yeah, kind of set up for him. Uh, yeah, Cyclops is in there in his X Force attire. I guess that's what he was wearing at the time.
1: And, uh, and Spider Man gets the boring opening level, which was just like him. Yeah. Going from one building to another,
0: yeah, and I think it's the the video game debut of Carnage as well. Uh, this game actually came out in in '92, which I think is the same year that Carnage did. So there wasn't a whole lot to go on in terms of uh, of uh, you know knowing who Carnage is, other than his opening story. Uh, and there's actually a point where you beat him, and the Carnage suit uh, kind of goes away from him, and it's it's like a, a naked dude. It's like a, a naked <laughs> 2D sprite is <laughs> <laughs> <Just> sitting there <laughs> uh, so full male nudity on your Super Nintendo.
1: All right. That's what we all came for. <laughs> uh yeah, so there was that game that, that game weird. that game uh uh goes in line with the young dang of Austin is not good enough to beat this game game cuz it oh, was God, so
0: hard. Really hard, it, Yeah, th- don't be hard on yourself there. That's no one beat that game.
1: <laughs> I remember there being like a point in the storm level where I was just like, I think this is impossible. I don't think you can <laughs> practically beat this part of the level. I think okay. I famously could only beat the Wolverine one if I said a prayer, and that was it.
0: It does have a really cool commercial, which I covered in one of my videos. Oh, cool. Uh, it's only 15 seconds long, but it has some really cool animation that they created, I think, just for the commercial. Neat. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Um but yeah, so a much better game, jumping significantly further along in the timeline here, is Ultimate Spider-Man, which I've kind of, kind of getting the feeling is is a favorite of yours, Dan.
1: Yes, this would be the other one that's vying for like top place, uh, and 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 my favorite in terms of the web slinging. Ability throughout the game. uh, Is this the one you you were thinking about when I made that reference?
0: Uh, I was actually thinking of Web of Shadows. Um, Oh, okay. To me, the the web-slinging in Ultimate Spider-Man was kind of a step back because it was very much simplified from Spider-Man 2. Uh, And that was was a thing that made me not really love it when it came out. Um, But in retrospect, as just a Spider-Man fan... Uh, this definitely. There could be an argument that this is the best Spider-Man game. I, I think that's that's a fair argument.
1: I love the the art style of it, the wide variety of gameplay situations, and uh, I really like the web slinging. I can see where you you know, like it is less sophisticated, but there was something about the simplicity of how momentum worked in the game, and that the webs were actually actual tangible items for once like if you webs if a web hit a building it would bend around the building and okay. you could sling a web into like an overpass and it would flick you up into the air and i remember spending probably hundreds of hours on all of the additional bonus challenges where you just like spin your webs through these hoops and it drove me insane but i got so good at the web slinging in that game yeah. It was like a a new muscle I found on my body, <laughs> you know, like uh so it may be more like that it's not the best at web-slinging, I just obsessed over it the most.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that was really cool at the time, they were making a big deal out of the fact that this was canon. This was ultimate Spider-Man canon. Turns out it wasn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they even, they even like, advertised a Venom storyline during the Eminem run as being, it would address this game, and it would show you how it fit into canon, and uh, all this stuff, and that didn't really work out either.
0: Yeah, that was, what, in the 130s-ish, somewhere around there? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, I, you know, it's like one, it's a typical one of those, like, Ben just doesn't play games with, with marketing, <laughs> you know, like... Marketing has one idea, and Bendis has a whole other different idea.
0: Well, I mean, I think this was Activision marketing, and not so much Marvel uh, at the time. And, you know, that was years apart too. It was like a, yeah. it was like five years between this game yeah. coming out and and that happening in the comics. So at the time when you played this, it did fit absolutely. Uh, and you know the the presentation is is top notch. It Still holds up. It's beautiful. Uh, the the kind of cartoonish, uh, you know. Baggly come to life kind of stuff Yeah uh, And uh, you know you could be venom in it And you could eat people <laughs>
1: <laughs> with, with that awesome Grand Theft Auto mode Where eventually S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up And tries to take you down um, Which at a certain point gets to be impossible But uh, it was fun while it lasted
0: Yeah for some reason I remember the The beetle chase in this being like Stupidly hard
1: Oh yeah that was difficult
0: yeah, that was, like, like the the rest of the game I was fine with, but just, like, that one damn chase took me forever.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's, uh, there's a great electro chase and um, a rhino chase where you have to, sw- like, spin your web through buildings that he's run through. I remember thinking that was really visually exciting, and you're, like, saving people from cars that are stuck into the side of buildings. Oh, cool,
0: yeah, I – there's a. L- I need to go back to that one. I haven't really played it since it was new. I've I've watched it a few times on on you know just cool highlights on YouTube and stuff. And, yeah, uh, it, it is it is it holds up and uh, you know it's an all time great for sure.
1: Story wise, the big thing I think that didn't match up when we're talking about these kind of in universe games is that like this one, the big twist at the end is that like it kind of confirmed that the reason Peter's parents died. Was because they were like uh, killed because of the Venom symbiote that they created, that their plane was shot down by someone, and that you would find out in the comic who that was, and then ultimately in the comic in the Ultimate Origin series, it was revealed that the Hulk killed Peter's parents. Oh right, yeah, and which was really bizarre because Peter, you know, Bendis had already set up. This whole like intrigue that like they were on a plane that was like sh- seemingly shot down in relation to the you know the other interested company that wanted the Venom symbiote and then Ben just seemed to forget that he had set that up and went with the Hulk <laughs> instead. Uh, a, a far Probably just less, changed his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that too, but a far a far less interesting thing, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know that they're not incredibly beholden if if they make a. A comic it is a different audience you know yeah. there's crossover for sure but it's a different audience
1: well i mean not I think everyone
0: I... not everyone who faithfully read ultimate spider-man comics played this game and not definitely not everyone who played this game read ultimate spider-man comics
1: i choose to believe that the the video game story is the true one because i like it better
0: I do too. Uh, There's a part where, uh, Peter becomes carnage or car. It's revealed that Peter is carnage or something. Oh
1: yeah. That, yeah. That he has the carnage symbiote like inside yeah. him in some way.
0: Uh, yeah. That, that was the part that st- stood out to me. I remember I was, I uh, totally I, forgot I went, about that. Yeah. I went back and uh, way back when I was working on shattered dimensions, I, you know, just did the YouTube thing for this game, <laughs> just to remind myself what had happened here and try to make things line up as best I could. And there was stuff like that. Uh,
1: how wild i forgot all about that
0: yeah there's all kinds of like really cool kind of twists and turns and you know ultimate being its own universe you could do that kind of stuff really yeah. cool uh wolverine venom fight at the beginning of the game as i recall
1: in the bar pretty... yeah, yeah yeah i'm having a real like i'm just being overcome with a wave of nostalgia right now thinking <laughs> about this i i haven't really like put much thought into it but yeah that was that was a great game i I mean, I, even if it's just seeing Bagley's art come to life, that like I'll pay fifty bucks just to see that.
0: Yeah, there's actually a, another good kind of Bagley game I didn't really go over because it didn't come out in the United States. There's a a Japanese Famicom game called uh, Spider-Man Lethal Foes, which is not really based on the Lethal Foes comics at all. It's just uh, it's it's really just a hodgepodge of villain fights, but it, it's a it's probably the best looking kind of 16-bit game. I don't know if I'd call it the best, somewhat. some would call it the best 16-bit game. I still prefer Maximum Carnage, but um, yeah. but it, it, it's kind of weird that it didn't come out here. It has uh, the Harry Osborn Green Goblin in it, which is interesting.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, and then it, of course it ends with Venom and Carnage, like everything in the 90s.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that video you did just to give you a shout out on your thing where it was like counting up the villain appearances mm, right. and how like every game is like Venom and Carnage.
0: Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah just real quickly the other kind of oddity of spider-man games out there is that i only recently found out about myself was uh there's a trilogy of adventure games from the early 90s that only came out in italy as far as i can tell wow it, they're, and they're all like 15 minutes long they're super short uh but it was like a hobgoblin one and dr doom one and a carnage one and uh they, they're like point-and-click adventure games, like a, an old LucasArts or a Sierra game or something What does like a 15-minute
1: adventure game even look like?
0: Well, you know, that's if you know what you're doing, so I'm sure it's an hour or two.
1: Okay, <laughs> all don't. right. I, all right, so the classic <laughs> adventure game style.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, also fitting into the kind of existing in-universe uh, would be the amazing Spider-Man games, both of them. Uh, the second one was... You could almost put it in the adaptation camp, but I think the main story was more about carnage than it was about uh, Electro and uh, and that version of the Green Goblin, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, the the first Amazing Spider-Man game is actually, you know, while it's not one of the greatest Spider-Man games, it is. It, I think it's still a good game, and it got uh, good
1: reviews when it came out. Yeah, yeah, it's It's solid
0: uh and in terms of just my personal involvement with it uh it's it's one of my favorite kind of universe building games because we we put a lot of thought into the amazing spider-man movie universe and how this fits in it while also kind of honoring the comics and like my personal favorite thing that i contributed was uh the backstory to the rhino character that we have which uh it's basically rock steady from turtles more or less if <laughs> you down to it. Cause it, it's a, uh, it's not a guy in a suit. It's actually a crossbreed between nan and Rhino. Um,
1: and that was one of the first big the, things that both. they revealed about the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we had a scorpion like that too. And, and, uh, were some of the other ones? I, uh, they, they, they were mostly along the, the kind of animalistic name. Vermin, iguana, uh, the only game appearance of iguana. There you I go. And he, and he was, told I didn't know there was an iguana until Beanox said, Hey, we want to make iguana for this game. We realized it was a pretty good fit.
1: I remember it uh, was it was heavily advertised on the back of iguana, and I was like, how many people think this is the lizard? But don't yeah, really know. know the difference.
0: Yeah, I know like there were there were people in our office who were like, you know, your lizard might look better than, than the actual <laughs> your, your iguana might look more like the lizard than the lizard does.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Not not at any official level. I don't want to get like weird rumors out there, but you know, just in fun talk. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the the looks really good. <laughs> they, they they made really. I love the scorpion. I think scorpion looks badass. Uh, but yeah, so I I think the the backstory for Rhino that we have in that Amazing Spider Man one game is better than the Rhino that would actually appear in Amazing Spider Man two. And
1: I'm not even fight you on, on that.
0: I had I had an idea, and I'm not going to get into it here, but I do have an idea of how those could still work. But anyway, going back to the point of this whole bucket that I've put this into, the Amazing Spider-Man movie game was basically a sequel, like a 1.5 uh, of the Amazing Spider-Man, and it was all about uh, Alistair Smythe and uh, the Spider Slayers, and you know, it 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 kind of presented Smythe as an Oscorp scientist who. Was uh, trying to, you know, do good and rid the world of of the lizard happening again, and you know, goes goes crazy, goes too far. Uh, it's got some pretty cool story beats in there.
1: It looked um, like it got and- really like big in parts too, in a way Spider-Man games never had been. You had big city-wide set pieces. Uh, oh right, yeah, in a way yeah, that we would ne- never seen here.
0: before. Yeah, yeah, like like. There was one, I think at the, almost the beginning of the game, I want to say, very close to it, where it's like the size of an, an entire New York park, like, that, that was like how big this uh, particular Spider Slayer was, which isn't practical at all. There's no way that could really happen, but... <laughs> where
1: did he build <laughs> this in secret? Video.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and not tell anybody. Uh, you know, and, you know, it was fun because we had, like, Morbius is just a back stage and you only know he's in there if you read the bios kind of thing you know uh, and 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 i was trying to kind of build a a world that we could you know maybe think forward to in in future games which is something i'll talk to a bit more in a minute uh then you know amazing spider-man 2 was uh it kind of turned into it it did have like the the boss fights from the movie but it was more about uh, Carnage and and our the vernage the version of Carnage we had uh, also kind of closed a, a story that never really closed in the Amazing movies, which was uh, finding Peter or Uncle Ben's killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember that he had like a star on his wrist or something, and that story was never really brought to conclusion. But we did that in the game, uh, and you know. It it kind of played into uh, the the beginning of Cletus Cassidy and how he became Carnage with no no venom in this universe, which was weird. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> but you know, they they made a pretty cool uh, Carnage at the end of the the game. They could fight. Um,
1: well, at least somebody you know. closed up that plot hole.
0: Uh, yeah, you know. And more time you know there's a pretty cool craven kind of subplot in there too, where he's kind of mentoring Peter there for a while and then uh he has like his own nefarious kind of uh kind of own intentions in in doing this um so yeah I mean uh, the amazing spider man one is is a much better game than two was, but you know there there's there's some stuff in two that I, I like
1: it ambitious. Uh, it was ambitious on its own right which which I appreciated from it.
0: Yeah, it got back to the, the web sticking to buildings, which was one of the hangouts people had about one because it got, it got away from that. You could uh, sling into the sky. Uh.
1: <laughs> was, was 2 the one with the kind of like pre-programmed free run mode where you could point it in a direction and watch the, the play out?
0: Oh, watch it! I don't know about watch it, but oh. they both had uh, a web rush mode. It was called. Yeah, where you could that's it. Kind of pause the game and 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 uh, you know pick a specific spot, and you would like zip to it really quickly. It was a good fast way to traverse through the city. Um, so yeah, that's those are most of the games I wanted to cover here. There's still a lot more, but what I wanted to do, going back to what I. Started talking about uh, almost two hours ago at this point.
1: Uh, (laughs) We're bad uh, at keeping this short, for sure.
0: That's fine. I I could talk about Spider-Man games all day. Uh, But in terms of Spider-Man PS4, what I see and what I'm hoping for is a really well-defined new Spider-Man universe. It's the kind of thing I was kind of angling at like when i was working on amazing spider-man 2 and making those in-depth or, or sorry amazing spider-man 1 more so uh and, and those in-depth bios and stuff like that just the kind of world building of it all um so you know you're gonna i i really hope that they're thinking ahead they're not just thinking about this game they're thinking about the stuff that happens in this game and how that could You know factor into what happens in Maybe like a trilogy of games Um, You know I have no idea I don't maybe this is the only game They'll make I have no idea Uh, But it's my personal hope and I kind Of get the feeling that they're They're thinking in in Those terms Um, you know What we know at this point Is that spider-man has been doing His thing for eight years he's 23 Years old Uh, we know Miles Morales is in it We don't know what that means exactly Uh, But that's that's a pretty cool, you know, kind of new wrinkle because it's obviously not going to be the same treatment that Miles gets in Ultimate Comics uh, because Peter was dead (laughs) when he came about. (laughs) Uh, So they're going to have a relationship. You know, does that mean that Miles becomes Spider-Man in this game? I don't think it will. I think it might happen in the second or third game in some way, but it might. I don't know. Uh, you know, and you're getting Mr. Me- Mr. Negative is the main villain so far. Uh, you know, we know that he probably isn't the main villain of the entire game, but he's the one that they're really uh, talking about right now, which is cool because we've never really seen him in a game. Um, you know, there, there's a cool thing going on with his relationship with Mary Jane. Maybe, you know, they, they're kind of being dodgy about what their actual relationship is it kind of comes off like they're friends uh, you know maybe they've dated maybe they haven't maybe this game is leading toward them dating I think that would be really interesting uh, you know and and uh, apparently one of the first thing that happens in this game is the the King uh, you defeat him early on in the game and that's apparently been... Uh, possibly the uh, main nemesis of spider-man so far in this universe and you know who do we have as running for mayor uh, actually it says re-elect this person and that's norman osborne so i'm actually personally hoping that norman has never been green goblin hmm. and that we get like a nice real backstory where we maybe kind of grow to like him and and you know maybe he's he meets Peter and they become, you know, friendly, kind of like I guess they kind of were in the first movie. But even more so than that, I think you can do that in the, the length of a, a big open world. Who knows how long this game's going to be? I think I think we're, they're probably going to go for a 20 to 30 hour game would be my guess. I don't know.
1: I'm so um, hoping that, um, you know, this game seems to be have, borrowing heavily from Arkham Asylum, which like – Weirdly enough, I thought every game was going to steal from Arkham Asylum, and in many ways, it still remains one of the only games of its type to do what it's done as well as it's done. What it did, which is in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of like universe building or universe uh, building game gameplay, making mm-hmm. every element of the superheroes uh, like arsenal and world kind of fit together um like completely cohesively like there's not a moment in that where you're like oh well batman you know like there's a reason why he can't use this thing here no he's got all of his gadgets and and they all work exactly the way you think they'd work and the world just plays out exactly like you are batman you don't have to really suspend belief very much in those games other than why is the city so empty um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, everybody just stayed in because it's Christmas or whatever. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But, uh, you know, what I want to see the most from this game, and and you're talking about it a little bit, is that, you know, first of all, we get that incredible, you know, gameplay where I feel like I have all of Spider-Man's arsenal without any sure. caveat to it. Um, but also that, and this is rare in Spider-Man comics, is that you get this cohesiveness of the world. Like, I feel like the Arkham games, all the villains have their own little, like, layers, but they all feel of a piece to that city. Like, they all belong there, and they all, like, clearly work and communicate with each other. And Spider-Man's comics are always kind of, like, maybe in the rare instances of the Sinister Six, as we talked about earlier, they feel like, okay, you know, like, Dr. Octopus is over here, and... The shocker is over here in another place, and they yeah. don 't ever really merge and You never get a, a that strong a sense of spider man 's New York, even though New York is very present in spider man comics and to me, this game is a real opportunity to present like a zero year like kind of story from scott snyder yeah. or or these Arkham games where it 's like oh spider man 's universe can feel cohesive um and and all tied together and and that has me at least narratively the most excited.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's the kind of thing you can only really get with, you know, 50 years of history behind you. Yeah. uh, Is to, to know how these kind of relationships all play out. And at the same time, you know, they may play with them and do things we don't expect. I'm sure there's going to be a lot that's in line with what we know. Uh, You know, uh, there's one question I have. It's like, is, is Gwen Stacy in this universe at all? Like, Uh, You know, one thing that I talk about in one of my videos is that if you look at Peter's wall, he's got pictures. And uh, there's a picture of the George Washington Bridge and a picture of the – what's the other – what's the other bridge? The Brooklyn (laughs) Uh, Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's there's pictures of both of those. And, of course, as uh, hardcore Spider-Man fans know – it's actually the Brooklyn Bridge pictured that Gwen Stacy dies at, but it's identified as the George Washington Bridge. Um, So, like, is that, like, indicating that Gwen Stacy died at one of those places? Or is it just, like, coincidence? Or is it a deliberate Easter egg for geeks like me to discover and put in YouTube videos? I don't know. I don't think anything's
1: an accident in these videos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah
0: uh yeah so I, I i i've i've messed up a couple times i'll say that but um <laughs> yeah uh so I, I think what i'm my ultimate point here is that all the signs are there that they're really putting a lot of thought into a, a cohesive huge spider-man universe with you know new maybe new origins that Kind of stick to the same basic idea, which is what Ultimate did. Uh, you know, it it, it, it kind of reminds me of a new Ultimate Universe, and uh, you know, I, I hope that that is actually what they're they're thinking. Like they're they they know they kind of know what they're going to do in the next one already. You know, maybe they don't have all the plot details pointed out, but they they know. They know that certain characters are going to keep going through, uh, you know, a through line that they've already kind of sort of made, uh, you know, created and they, they've they're setting things up yet. At the same time, this will feel like a complete singular story with a satisfying conclusion um, and, you know, be at least at this point the best Spider-Man game ever made. That's that's my hope.
1: That's, that, 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 that's a modest ask, yeah. <laughs> um, I I also want Peter Parker to be a big part of the game. You know, in the Arkham games, you get to play as Bruce Wayne for like five minutes in each game, and it's typically for like walking moments. You know, where you're op- the opening of the game, and he walks to find the bat suit, and you get that dramatic reveal. Like, um, but to me, Peter Parker is so much more a part of the Spider-Man story. And, uh, it's never really been handled that, um, fully in any of these games. I guess like ultimate is the one where you get closest to playing outside of costume. We had some, uh,
0: in the amazing Spider-Man too, there were some Peter moments, but it wasn't a lot. It was like Peter was going to visit, uh, Craven. The way Craven was portrayed at this time was like, uh, almost like in the ultimate comics where he's kind of like a star, a star hunter. You know, uh, he was a reality star, I think, in the Ultimate yeah. Comics. And this he was just like uh, like the most famous hunter in the world or something. And and, and he went in there under the guise of, of being a Daily Bugle reporter, which he wasn't, but he <laughs> pretended to be. So we got that element in there.
1: <laughs> I, I just would love to have, like, Peter have to go on, like, a, you know, like a, a you know, photograph, photography session, whatever. And then have, as a player, you have to find a way to duck out like stealthily with no one seeing you like that would be really cool
0: i mean i'd like to see stuff like uh you know you're on a date with mj and you know something you know something terrible is happening that spider-man needs to tend to tend to uh you choose do you stay here and have a great day with mj or do you go save the day and sacrifice your relationship yeah I think that would be That's the kind of thing You can do in a video game That you can't do In a comic Or a movie Or anything like that And that's why I think There's so much Untapped potential uh, For Spider-Man games
1: Or do you covertly Shoot your web up At the ceiling Pull down a, a fog vent Or whatever And flood the room With smoke And then beat people <laughs> Up in the smoke And then return to dinner There
0: you go There you go there, there, there's, there's one mission For you right there
1: well, I, I, oh. can't, I can't wait, and we'll have to have you back on when that game comes out to do a really thorough conversation about it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there will be a lot to say.
1: Well, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's, this has been uh, far too delayed, uh, and, uh, and this was fun talking Spider-Man video games with you.
0: Absolutely. I'm always up for it, and it was a lot of fun indeed.
1: Well, before you go, Chris, um, I was curious if you could tell the listeners at home where they might find you on the internet.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, if you just want to go to one place to find all the applicable links to me, you can go to my Twitter at CBake76. That's C-B-A-K-E-7-6. Uh, the YouTube channel's there, and if you want to go there, it's YouTube.com slash CBake76. Uh, and you, know, you can get the link to my book there if you want to, and I would love it if you read that it's only three dollars it's 2.99 which is less than most comics these days yeah so just uh check those things out if you're interested
1: and i love them i can't recommend your videos enough so uh you have my full thread recommendation <laughs> thank you very much sir all right well thanks again for coming on the show my pleasure
0: Hey, it's Chris again, back with one extra message. When Dan and I recorded this segment, I wasn't sure I actually wanted to do what I'm going to tell you about, but I am doing it, and it's pretty big for Spider-Man game fans. It's called Spider Madness. It's going along with the March Madness basketball tournament about to start up. And through the magic of Twitter polls on my personal Twitter, at Seabake76, we're going to do a huge tournament where every Spider-Man game ever created, from huge blockbusters to cell phone games to edutainment, is going to go up against each other to determine the greatest Spider-Man game of all time. As I record this, I'm producing a video that will go further into explaining what this is all about. But just keep tabs on my YouTube, my Twitter account, or the hashtag SpiderMadness, all one word, no hyphen. Sorry, guys. And you'll learn a lot more about it. I'll also talk about it on the amazing Spider Slack. Voting starts Thursday, March 15th. Thanks, everybody.
1: Well, you made it to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chris Baker and that you are as excited for the Spider-Man game on the PS4 as he and I are. And please, don't forget to join our amazing Spider Slack. Subscribe to our new podcast, The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, available where all fine podcasts are downloaded, and join Chris for his Spider Madness when it kicks off in the coming weeks. Mark and I will be back shortly with our episode all about Peter's supporting cast in the Remita Run, but until then, why not consider joining our Patreon club? Remember... For just $3.99 a month, the price of a new comic, you'll get access to our exclusive new issue reviews, Swarm B-Book reviews, extended interviews, mailbags, and more. And for $10 or more a month, you'll get access to some awesome commissioned artwork. We just got the Ron Friends artwork in this week, and man, it's stunning. So just click on the link in our podcast notes and join us on Patreon. This week on Patreon, Mark and I will be reviewing Amazing Spider-Man number 797, the dynamite start of the Go Down swinging arc. And we'll be talking about the newly announced creative team that's taking over Amazing Spider-Man in issue 802. But until then, you can always follow me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk and be sure to remember that with great podcasts must also come the all-new Amazing Spider-Talk. The next installment